0: Welcome to the podcast of CREW in Southeast Ohio. I'm your host, Chad Helmer, and I'm grateful that you've tuned in today. CREW, we are a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ. And today, we're in the third of four weeks doing something a little bit different here on the podcast. Last month, we hosted our one-day fall conference in Logan, Ohio. And there were lots of students there from the campuses of Southeast Ohio. They joined us for a day of worship and teaching and great community and it was a ton of fun but one of the things that we did at that conference was students were given the opportunity to attend two of four different seminars that we had on offer that afternoon. So over four weeks we're featuring the presenters of those seminars to talk more about their topic and to present their content to our listeners and today we have the opportunity to hear from Jake Newton. Jake welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Chad.
0: Good to have you with us, Jake. Tell us about yourself. Um, How long have you been on staff with Crew? Where'd you graduate from? Maybe give us a little brief bio. Maybe where's home, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, home is Southeast Ohio. I grew up in Lancaster for most of my life. Went to Marietta College, and it was junior year at Marietta where I really got involved with Crew, and so decided as I was heading into my senior year, coming on the heels of a summer mission, uh, decided I wanted to join staff with crew. And so I've been on staff with crew since 2017. So three years, coming on four.
0: That's great. And um, yep, I think the only person to join staff with us who's a graduate of Marietta College, we hope that the Lord raises up many more behind you, but uh, it's fun to have a Marietta grad on our team. And uh, Jake, you're married, right? Tell us about your wife.
1: I am married. Yeah. So uh, Gabrielle Newton is my wife. Um, her and I both joined staff together full-time. So my first two years on staff, I was an intern. Just recently joined staff full-time and reported uh, last spring, right before coronavirus hit. Um, but yeah. We're, we live in Athens. Uh, she went to grace college in Indiana, a okay. small Christian school, uh, actually has no crew background. Gabrielle doesn't. And so, uh, her joining staff was definitely a, uh, step of faith. Um,
0: Gotcha. That's great. That's great. So it's fun to hear a little bit about you and, um, yeah. And some of your, some of your journey there on staff, uh, so Jake is talking with us today about disagreement and conflict uh, more generally. I'm going to let him do some of, the, some of the description here. But Jake, tell us, before we get started, what are we talking about when we use the word disagreement? What, um, maybe frame it up for us. Yeah.
1: Well, so uh, the definition that we're working with actually comes from uh, a book written by Ken Sandy called The Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I appreciate the definition. It's, and it is this. Uh, disagreement is a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone else's goals or desires or frustrates your, your own goals or desires. Uh, And the reason I like this definition is it kind of, it's broad. It's broad enough Mm. to where we can have this, this spectrum where on one end we have what temperature do we set our thermostat on at home? Um, That would be a a very uh, small disagreement where at the other end um, we have lawsuits that are uh, the result of a a disagreement or conflict. Um, And yeah, I I think just a disclaimer, this is an area for me where uh, I just, I have a lot of growth to do. I am by no means an expert on, disagreement or or anything like that, but it's been really helpful to just look at it a little deeper and um, also willing to acknowledge that it's not a one size fits all. There is no silver bullet to uh, disagreements or conflict resolution, but, um, you know, as we continue, hopefully there are some things that people are able to take away.
0: Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Um, Jake, I suspect you're really good at this because I can't recall you and I ever having a conflict or disagreement. So I I think you're probably, <laughs> I think you're probably fantastic at this, but, um, but that, that's helpful. So we know what we're talking about. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting is, uh, how to have conflict or how to have disagreement. This isn't really talked about terribly often. Um, would you say it's reflected in our world today? What, what does it look like, you know, more largely as, as we look kind of at the broader culture?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it would be, it would be silly to say that nowhere uh, is this modeled well. I think there are places where disagreement and conflict resolution, they're modeled really well. <clears throat> you know, you think of uh, a, when you think of disagreement, the ideal is just civil discourse. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that happens uh, around the world. However, if you were to, uh, if I were to just say right now to all the listeners, you know, on a count of three, I want you to shout out the area where you feel like there is a terrible conflict resolution. There's terrible disagreement modeled for us. Um, On the count of three, most people would probably yell politics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, Uh, to add on to that it's not it's not shown or modeled well by our media Mm -hmm. and you know i i would encourage people to take off the uh political glasses that they might be using to watch or listen to this podcast but that's Mm -hmm. definitely one area where it is not modeled well however you know i was uh i don't know where i read this but i was reading and it was actually really encouraging um it was a, it was a pastor. He was a part of a small group and there was an associate pastor in that small group with some other just uh, church attendees. And they actually got into a pretty heated uh, disagreement. I think it was a theological disagreement. Uh, Neither of them were seeing eye to eye and they actually, it kind of blew up. (laughs) It was kind of like a worst case scenario disagreement blew up and they left and you could tell that there was tension even after the meeting was over. And so that Sunday um, there was a, one of the church attendees invited their friend to church. And at the very beginning of church, this pastor gets up front and, and calls the associate pastor forward and basically confesses in front of the congregation about how he did not handle the disagreement well and how no. he and this associate pastor after hours we're able to get together and talk through things and reach a level of understanding and be reconciled. And this church attendee was sitting in the audience, just almost sinking in her chair, thinking this is so embarrassing. Uh, I'm inviting this, this friend of mine who right. has no church background and you know, she's witnessing this, but come to find out that incident was the first time that this person who was invited along to come to church, was the first time she ever saw conflict handled in a healthy way or conflict resolution handled in a healthy way. Hmm. And it was from that incident that she decided to place her faith in Jesus Christ and become an active participating member of this church. And so wow. I, I mentioned that, you know, it's not a personal experience. It's a story that, you know, I read, but it's, it's encouraging and it gives mm-hmm. me hope and it, it shows that um, there are places where this is modeled well, and there's plenty of places where we can see what not to do. Um, but that's yeah. great
0: I mean I think yeah. that's really helpful to think about the thing I love about what you said there Jake one you can imagine sort of the worst you know you said it's not modeled well in the media and I just have this image of you know kind of your split screen picture of two people on some news network sort of screaming at one another talking <laughs> over the top of one another you know I feel like but it, it's encouraging to hear that even in the church um, even when we get it wrong we have strategies for going back and getting it right you know i think about this mm-hmm. this, pa- this pastoral disagreement this theological conflict um they you know it, it it goes south it goes the wrong way but yet we have uh, we have tools and we have strategies for knowing how to then reconcile even when we get it wrong and so mm-hmm. um you know for our listeners i think uh maybe maybe you've been in conflict and you've gotten it wrong it's just blown up and it's unresolved or um a story like that gives me hope that uh, it's not too late to go back and make things right also. So I, I appreciate mm-hmm. the story. Um, so uh, what does scripture have to say about this? I mean, we think about the Bible, um, which uh, of course is, uh, you know, every page you can find uh, examples of either interpersonal or geopolitical conflict. Um, tell, tell me, what does the scripture have to say about handling this agreement?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I think it's a question that a lot of people are asking, or at least it's a question that we should be asking. Um, you know, I I was with a friend who was talking to me about just some pretty serious family conflict that he was experiencing and, you know, listen, talk back and forth and just decided to ask the question, you know, is, is there any way that like God's word addresses the situation you're in? Um, And, you know, he he kind of thought, and he's like, well, I'm sure that the answer is yes, but I have absolutely no idea, like, where. (laughs) The Bible's Uh, a big
0: book, yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's, you know, I think as I was just kind of, like, preparing this breakout, there really isn't anywhere that it's, um, it's not like we have a a step-by-step manual uh, as to how to go about conflict resolution or disagree, but there's plenty and plenty of places in Scripture where, uh, the, the biblical authors are writing about how we as Christians are to go about our day-to-day lives. And so, you know, I just, Romans 12, 14 through 21, I think is a great passage. I'm going to read that. Um, yeah, it uh, This is Romans, Romans 12, 14 through 21. Uh, Paul's the author just says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink for by doing so you he will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, so, good. you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's convicting. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, this is one of those verses where I'm able to tangibly uh, make an audit of my own life and say, this is not often the, this, the characteristic or the tone of my life. Um, You know, but it is one of many passages that talks about our relationship with others. And, you know, Paul's giving uh, this, this directive to the body of believers. I mean, the, the subtitle in my Bible says marks of the true Christian. So this is directly, applicable to everyone who would call himself a follower of Jesus. He's talking about day-to-day life and it brings up a good point. Clearly disagreement is going to be a part of -hmm. our day-to-day life. You know, he he says things like live in harmony with one another, Mm -hmm. uh, directly applies to disagreement or conflict, says things like never be wise in your own sight. You know, I think how oftentimes when a disagreement comes up or a conflict comes up, I'm immediately thinking, maybe it's just how I'm wired, but I'm thinking, how can I win this disagreement or this right. argument? Or how can I prove that the other person is not in the right? How can I win them to my side of thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I also love what he says in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Hmm. I think I think oftentimes, I mean, this could probably be used to Maybe uh, throw in the towel too early when it comes to disagreement, but I sure. also think that it's uh, it's comforting and it, it provides rest because maintaining the peace can be it can be exhausting at times. And you know, Paul's saying here, like both parties aren't always going to be equally cooperative. And so, really, at the end of the day, all we can control is how we respond and how we choose to live. Um, and you know, it says uh never avenge yourselves. Leave it leave it to God. And so this, you know, scripture kind of leaves us with this, you know, are you willing to to hold some of these things with an open hand and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, at the end of the day, turn it over to the Lord?
0: Yeah, I you know what's fascinating about the passage is that um I, I think you're right. I think on the one hand, maybe talk about living peaceably insofar as it you know insofar as it's up to you living peaceably with others on the one hand you're right that could be used too quickly to throw in the towel and i wouldn't want to ever say well living peaceably is always the highest value or always the highest goal um there could be things that are really worth continuing to to talk through and work out and Mm -hmm. you know figure um but it i think it probably puts living peacefully with others on a high, it, it probably labels it as a higher value than we're often prone to give it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm prone to think about myself or what I want, or like you said, winning, winning the argument. Um, but living at peace with others has to be a value that factors in, it sounds like, and not just a value, but it sounds like a pretty high value. Yeah. From Paul's exhortation there that we, uh, insofar as it's up to me, I've got to be, you know, it reminds me of what he says in ephesians 4 3 where he says you know make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit Mm -hmm. through the bonds of peace he says you're already unified but you've got to work to maintain uh this peace in the body Mm -hmm. and so um it's a I, i don't think we often put peace as a very high value in our interpersonal relationships or if you do there's always a the temptation to, to make it sort of a, just a conflict avoidance, which isn't always mm-hmm. healthy either. So yeah. Um, what a rich passage.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's easy to, to live at peace with, I think it's easy to think we're living at peace with others when in reality, we just surround ourselves with people who think and act and talk mm-hmm. just like we do. Sure. And sure. it's like, um, you know, we, we can touch on it later, but what's it look like to kind of enlarge our circle um, to the, the bigger body of Christ? And mm-hmm. what's it look like to live peaceably amongst
0: ourselves? Yeah, those are those are challenging questions. Um, let's talk a little bit about motivation. What What's my motivation for living peaceably? I mean, I've got biblical commandment. Sure. Um for how I sort of think about peace and relationship to disagreement and conflict, but, but what, what are some of the heart level motivations that that I approach conflict or ought to approach conflict or disagreement with?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are many, many great and noble motivations, uh, as it relates to, you know, conflict resolution, as it relates to disagreeing or civil discourse. But, you know, I really think that, um, there is a chief motivation and um, I believe ideally that chief motivation is the gospel. Hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's the, it's the idea. I I believe it's an understanding first and foremost of what God in and through the person and work of Christ has done for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when we, we get a real and true view of just uh, how estranged we were from God apart from Christ when we have a, a real and true view of the severity of our sinfulness and our fallenness and our, mm-hmm. our state apart from Christ and, and acknowledge that God in and through Christ has, has reconciled us to Him. When we have that mental framework, it, it definitely puts other disagreements small and large into perspective and and you know i would argue that honestly sometimes it's most difficult for the gospel to come to bear on our disagreements when they are really small and insignificant Hmm. but sometimes those small and insignificant disagreements are the ones that that fester and actually turn into a really big uh, problem you know down the road and so it's interesting to think about but I mean, I, I, you know, simply put, I feel like we all need to ask the question whenever we're in the middle of a disagreement, in the middle of a conflict, the question, how does the gospel come to bear on this conflict or or this disagreement, no matter whether it's the thermostat (laughs) or whether it's, I mean, something really, really serious, which I'm sure many people who will listen to this are, are dealing with, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great question. I think that should be our primary motivation uh, because that's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world at right. the end of the day.
0: Right. And it, yeah, it's true. Thinking about the gospel is our motivation. I'm reminded, you know, Romans 5, Paul begins that chapter by saying, uh, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through mm-hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think about the way that um, God has made peace with us through the cross. That there was there was conflict. Um, uh, bon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian of the last century, talks about um, on this verse, because we now have peace with God, it means that we were at one time enemies of God. Um, and so mm-hmm. the, it, it, it's what God has done for us in the cross that has reconciled us in a way that we're no longer enemies at war, but we're friends at peace. And I think, uh, you know, we think about what the gospel has done for us and what I hear you saying is that should be our motivation for wanting to make that real in our relationships with other people, that peace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you a trickier question then. Okay. Um, <laughs> thinking about thinking about making peace uh, or working through conflicts, having civil discourse, um, maybe full scale disagreement, this whole spectrum, um, how, how, do you see a difference between how we do that with brothers and sisters in Christ kind of within the church and then how we do that with those who wouldn't call themselves Christians or would, or would say, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Is there, is there a difference in how we approach those relationships or is it just one and the same?
1: Yeah. You know, um, it's a really good question. It's a question that I have asked myself. It's a question I'm sure many of our listeners, you know, have, have thought of at one point, um, you know, my my answer would be yes and no. Uh, perfect uh, the, the, for a complicated the, yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, there there is a difference, and there is not a difference. Um, you know, and again, I, I think it's worth uh, revisiting the passage that we talked about earlier um, with. And, and that's in Romans, you know, where Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a common denominator that we have with other Christians, with other followers of Jesus, with mm-hmm. other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, you know, I believe that uh, disagreeing well should start within our community before mm-hmm. it is to be modeled you know, outside, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. church community is a body. Um, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me, uh, with who, who's had, I was a baseball player. So it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me with uh, continual arm problems to try to tell someone else how to have a healthy arm. I should, I should get my arm problems figured out and then uh, maybe help someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I, I feel like it, it starts within our community. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it's like, if we can't do that, how can we expect um, other people, when that common denominator is removed, Mm -hmm. uh, people that we don't share the same eternal destiny with, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to make it more difficult. And so, you know, when I think of uh, within the Christian community, my hope is that uh, both parties would be equally cooperative in uh, disagreeing well and Mm -hmm. uh, having this. The civil discourse or conflict resolution. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a little anecdotal piece in this book by Ken Sandy, The Peacemaker. Um, you know, it says in 1982, Warren Berger, former Chief Justice of the US Supreme Court, said, One reason our courts have become overburdened is that Americans are increasingly turning to the courts for the relief from a range of personal distresses mm-hmm. and anxieties remedies for personal wrongs that once were considered the responsibility of institutions such as the church mm-hmm. other than the courts are now boldly asserted as legal entitlements. Mm-hmm. The, the, the courts have been expected to fill the void created by the decline of Christian community. Wow. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I share that with some hesitation because I realize that uh, there are certainly times when uh, courts should get involved. Courts need to be involved, but mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, it's it's worth acknowledging in that this is this is really important within mm-hmm. our community. This is one of the primary ways that we can put on a spectacle to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of you know the idea of being countercultural and how taking it back to the beginning when we're talking about the media you know we have this caricature of man against man arguing you know mm-hmm. speaking over top of one another and then here off to the side you have the church who looks and acts completely different and you know I'm I'm talking to myself as well uh certainly but so you know in that sense i would say yeah i i i think I think there is a difference, but yet, uh, the things that we carry into those disagreements being the gospel the things that we carry mm-hmm. into those disagreements being, you know, how we view the other individual, the mm-hmm. things that we carry in being, you know, a willingness to set aside our pride, to not feel so wise in our own eyes to not be mm-hmm. haughty. Um, I think those things, uh, transcend, whether it's, you know, a, a Christian disagreement or not. Um, but my hope is that you know it, it's more—it's more of a two-way street when mm-hmm. it's within the body.
0: Yeah, I—I uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that the, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that picture of sort of. Uh, th- there are so many things that we share with one another as followers of Jesus. Um, you know, we. Uh, we have the same spirit of God living in us. Uh, we've we have allegiances that we share that are higher than winning the argument or getting what I want. We have an allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we have mm-hmm. you know these commitments. We've experienced the grace of God in, in transformative ways in our lives that um, should make us feel you know we should then be able to let go of self. Uh, as a result of that so that i'm not the most important thing winning the argument isn't the most important thing and what i hear you saying is we want to model that for a watching world and we're going to get it wrong um and you know in some ways most of the most of the new testament epistles were written on account of conflict within you know the earliest churches and so um you know if if there weren't conflict we wouldn't have most of the new testament but Mm -hmm. at the same time um uh, you know, I think about your comment about the courts, Paul exhorts the believer, you know, he's talking to the Corinthians. He says, um, you need to learn how to deal with these things with one another rather than being quick to take one another to court. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I think Christians have abused that passage at times to sweep things under the rug and not deal with major legal issues that need to be brought before the court. Um, but it does say something about the obligation, the expectation we have to be able to engage with one another in ways that are loving and generous and marked by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and those things that, um, should make it look different. And then I, the other thing too, I think I'd add to what you said is, um, one of the things that I think is unique that we have to keep in mind when we think about, uh, disagreeing with non-believers is, um, I think there's some level at which we should just expect that we're going to disagree with people who don't share our values and our allegiance. There's something that seems, um, conflict is normal everywhere. Uh, but too often I think I find Christians surprised (laughs) that they're in a conflict with a non-believer as though they just ought to get it. Uh, don't you understand? Um, and the answer is no, uh, we're operating with different values. And I would even say uh, a sort of different metaphysical toolkit as we have the spirit of God <laughs> dwelling in us. And so, yeah, um, so there's a real difference there. Um, so uh, last couple questions, and I think just on the really practical note, if you had to give our mm-hmm. listeners some sort of governing principles, just some some principles or guidelines, big picture for approaching disagreement or conflict. What are those? How do we practically move forward in disagreement or conflict?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, again, these, these things aren't original to me, um, found a great help. And, you know, the book mentioned already, uh, the peacemaker. And I'll just go um, ahead and
0: tell our listeners, we'll get, we'll get a link to that in the, uh, in the notes under the podcast when we, when we post it here. Perfect. You can find that resource.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the governing kind of principles, big picture that he lays out, uh, first and foremost, glorify God, you know, asking the question, how can I honor the Lord in this situation? Mm -hmm. Um, So then goes on, um, you know, the the next principle, uh, get the log out of your eye, which Mm -hmm. um, that may sound familiar to many of our listeners. It comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. Um, Basically, you know, how can I show Jesus's work in me? Um, by taking responsibility for my contribution to the conflict mm-hmm. or in the case of a disagreement, how can, uh, how can I posture myself to not be wise in my own sight?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, next, next principle, uh, gently restore. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of a disagreement, how can I serve the other person by providing an alternative opinion, uh, in the case of conflict, how can I serve the other person or others by helping them take responsibility for their contribution to this conflict? Mm. Uh, and finally, um, last principle, go and be reconciled. This is uh, in, the, in the case of disagreement. How can I leave this disagreement being reminded of the other person's identity in Christ um, or you know, someone outside of the faith, how can I leave it, uh, viewing this person as someone who God still deeply loves and longs to have a relationship with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the case of conflict on the other end of the spectrum, what's it look like to demonstrate the forgiveness of God and encourage a reasonable solution to this conflict. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are kind of the big picture. And then, um, you know, as you're, as you're thinking of, I guess, maybe more, more tactics as to how mm-hmm. to achieve those things. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, as it relates to the first one, glorifying God. Um, I, th- I think it's important to remember that Christ's reputation, uh, it, it, it can, or his reputation in the eyes of others, it can be affected by the way mm-hmm. that we choose to engage in conversation and the way that we choose to, either get along or disagree with others. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, tacked onto that glorifying God principle, what would it look like for you just this next week to use every conflict or disagreement as an opportunity to serve the other person, Mm -hmm. um, to submit to your desires, uh, to submit to, I want the temperature set at 68 uh, (laughs) and serve the other person. Um, you know, and, and getting the log out of your eye, there's so much there, but I think the, the best thing to do is just, you know, ask yourself a few x-ray questions, Mm -hmm. um, you know, asking yourself when a certain desire that I have isn't met, do I feel frustration, anxiety, resentment, bitterness, anger, depression, and take those feelings, you know, before the Lord, acknowledge them, um you know, moving on from there, we're talking about gently restoring. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the posture we take, uh, is really important. And, um, something I'd like to say there is just, what would it look like for you to talk from beside the person that you're disagreeing with, not from above them, but you're a, you're a fellow sinner who needs forgiveness and grace just as much as the other person does. Mm -hmm. Um, And planning, you know, I think if, if this is an actual conflict an actual disagreement that you have in your life, and, you know, you feel so convicted and led to address it, what would it look like for you to plan your words in advance and and just try to anticipate how the other person is going to feel how the other person might respond. So you don't find yourself getting caught up in the emotional, you know, uh, turmoil that might might come up from a conversation like this. And and finally, um, you know, as it relates to this idea of, of go and be reconciled, um, I think obviously if, if you can find a, a clear way towards reconciliation, i I'm hesitant to give kind of like a one size fits all application for this because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but a, a forgiveness, forgiveness is key. Forgiveness is key on, on our end, mm-hmm. um, but I want to just touch briefly on, you know, when the other party may not be on board like you are, it's, it's hard. It happens frequently, but I think things that we can do that are going to honor the Lord are uh, controlling our tongue, continuing Mm -hmm. to say what's only helpful and beneficial to others. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really hard to do. I think it's important to remember, um, keep doing right no matter what others do to me, Mm -hmm. that is all throughout scripture. That is what we are called to do as believers. Um, You know, recognizing our limits, we don't need to take revenge. Uh, Mm -hmm. Remember that being successful in God's eyes depends on faithfulness, not results of Mm -hmm. this conflict. And finally, um, loving our enemy. By trying to discern and address their spiritual, emotional, and material needs. And so I know that's a lot. Um, hopefully there's something there that uh, listeners are able to, to take and and try to, you know, implement as these things come up.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's really helpful. And I mean, even just some of the, the, the larger themes, it's thinking about God and God's glory and representing him well and honoring him in our conflict. I, I, you know, this getting the log out where you're uh, you know, you're you're doing a deep dive, trying to discern what do I have to own? What what do I have to own here? What have I contributed to this conflict? Being mindful of my own brokenness and sinfulness, and um, penchant toward caring about myself. But then I love the theme too of uh, putting other people before. You know, it's, it's it's so much of what you said has to do with thinking about. How do I serve the other person in this conflict? How mm-hmm. is this conflict an opportunity for me to love and serve the other person? Not get what I want necessarily, but to love and serve others. And I think about, you know, when Paul in Philippians 2 is reflecting on uh, Christ and, uh, you know, in the incarnation, he talks about how um, we ought to not consider ourselves more important than others, but we should consider others more important than ourselves, Um and so I, th- I think, you know, putting someone else first in the conflict, that's the kingdom of God, right? That's, that's the upside down nature of what Jesus does in his teaching on the kingdom of God. As he says, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's backwards. It's not the way the world wants you to think it is. And you can just imagine I can just picture a healthy conflict where there's a real disagreement and and disagreement is not wrong by itself. But there's a real disagreement. But two people are actively trying to figure out how do I serve and love the other person in this conflict? What a what a testimony and what a witness that is to a watching world, I think. And so, mm-hmm. Jake, this is really helpful. This is really good stuff. Um really appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast and share with us today and I think our listeners will benefit um, both from the just just the general perspective but I hope too even some of the really practical things um, I'm, I, I mean I'm already thinking about how I ought to let my wife have control of the thermostat more often <laughs> than I do so thanks for that
1: you're welcome <laughs> um, but,
0: um, but I think there will be some really practical things in here uh, for our listeners and so grateful for your time grateful to have you on the show. And um, thanks for your hard work and your preparation and sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.